If you have your Bibles, I want to invite you to remain open to Hebrews chapter 4, or if you haven't got those out yet, go ahead and open those up, and uh, we'll be there in just a moment. If you're new to Homewood, we are in a series going through this letter, uh, this book to the Hebrews. And it has been a, an impactful study thus far. I know for me personally, uh, I've encouraged you to be reading this letter on your own. Uh, I've encouraged you to read it in one setting if you can, and it's about a 45-minute read, but to get the context of the whole letter. And I think this really helps us to be more faithful to the text when we're seeing it in context and not just picking verses here and there. But some of you have shared some of the passages in this text that have been impactful to you, and I'll tell you that's been a big encouragement to me, and I want to encourage you to keep doing that. Uh, as the writer begins, Jesus is the radiance of God's glory the exact representation of his being, and he sustains all things by his powerful word. What's the author saying? He's going to be saying Jesus is better than, Jesus is greater than, Jesus is superior to, and all these things that, that the writer's going to lay out. Um, but I believe that this message is something that we desperately need in 2022 because we get to this place in this text, in Hebrews chapter 4. That is absolutely critical if you're going to follow Jesus. This is a message, not because it's my message, but because it's a message that we cannot overlook if we're going to claim to be followers of Jesus, if we're going to be formed into Christ's image, if we're going to be spiritually formed. Uh, when you walked in the door today, you saw that the first pillar of our vision of this church is spiritual formation. And we believe that being formed into the image of Christ informs everything else that we do. And so we, we must be a people who are being formed. And I'm going to give you the sermon in one message, in one line, in one tweet, right now, right out of the gate. Are you ready for it? Here it is. The amount of your strength is directly proportional to the quality of your rest in Christ. And for the next 25 minutes, what I'm going to try to do is try to walk you through the narrative of Scripture and try to help us to see why this is so critical, why this is so important to us in 2022. Uh, this past week, Lane and I got to spend uh, some time with uh, other ministry couples from across the nation, about 30 other couples. Uh, we got to go to Windshape uh, Retreat Center, which is over in Rome, Georgia. Uh, and when, when in Rome, you, you know, you, anyway, we were over there and Laney, um beat me in tennis while we were over there. Just, just going to go put that out there, you know, because I got, I got spanked in tennis, and it was, uh, it was a good lesson in humility. Uh, we had a great time, but we were talking to all these other couples, and one of the other couples that we met was actually from Central Florida. And he was just telling me a little bit about his ministry, a little bit about what was going on. I was telling him about some things going on in Birmingham. Uh, but he said, you know what, Brett? said, a lot of people come to Central Florida. We're actually right next to this upscale retirement center. And so people come to Florida for retirement, they retire, they kind of work all, the, all their lives to get here, and it's this really nice retirement place. Uh, you get your, your nice garden home, uh, you, you get, you know, any, uh, any club that you can think of, you know, we've got it. You know, I mean, golf, you know, knitting, uh, you know, underwater basket weaving, you know, like whatever your thing is, like we got that club in the, in the retirement center. Uh, any nice restaurants have been built up all around. You know, he said, I mean, we got, we got everything. He said, but here's what happens. So these couples come down, and they spend about nine months doing all that. 
I mean, it seems like the perfect dream, everything you got, everything you want, everything you could ask for. But after about nine months, they started asking the question, what am I doing with my life? I mean, what, what's, what's my purpose? You know, am I really making a difference in this life? And he said, and we see it over and over and over again. And he said, usually the, the clock, you just start the clock in about nine months. This is, this is when it hits people who come down into this retirement center. And so they begin asking some of these questions and the rest that they thought they would find in retirement is not true rest. Because in whom you find your rest is directly related to the strength of that rest. And so it's why going on vacation, it's why going on spring break, as we've just experienced, or going on trips, don't automatically cure your need for rest. They help, but you can go on all the vacations you want, all the spring breaks you want, and still have a tired, worn out soul. So that's why I believe that this message is so critical for the church today, so critical for any age, not just those that are in a certain age bracket, but for any age. 11 times in 11 verses that Jabari just read to us, you hear this word rest. And one phrase that we heard was this idea of Sabbath rest. So I asked you to have your Bibles open to Hebrews chapter 4, and I hope you did, but uh, we're going to go back to the beginning. And so you, if you want to flip through and go back to the beginning of the Bible, you can go to the book of Genesis, or you can follow along on the screen. I just want us to do a bit of a survey, a bit of a, a Bible study here for just a few moments so that we can understand a little bit of the background behind when the author says Sabbath rest. So Sabbath first introduced to us in the creation narrative back in Genesis. So Genesis chapter two, verse two, by the seventh day, God had finished the work that he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all of his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it, he rested and from all the work of creating that he had done. From the very beginning, catch this, God blessed rest. From the very beginning, he blessed rest. He established this rhythm to the week. So God's rhythm of work and rest soon became the framework for human work and rest. Fast forward to the next book of the Bible, the book of Exodus. If you flip over a few pages, you'll get to Exodus chapter 20, where God delivers the people from Egypt and Moses receives the 10 commandments. In Exodus chapter 20, verse eight, the fourth commandment we see is this one. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you should not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor your foreigner residing in your towns. Verse 11, for in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that was in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. So what do we see here? Sabbath is reminding the people that, that God is the point, right? Sabbath is reminding the people that, that there's this bigger picture that, that he was the provider. So often uh, we get caught up in work, uh, we get caught up in school, 
Uh, we get caught up in pursuing that degree. Uh, we get caught up in uh, some, for some of us, kids, grandkids. Uh, we, get, we get caught up in all the things that go on in life. I mean, just as I rattle through that list, some of you started going through the, 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 the mental Rolodex in your own brain about all those things that you have from day to day. But the very thing that God commanded to cease for one day was the, the thing that he exemplified in the creation narrative. Why? Because God is a God of process. Did God need the rest? Or is God a God of process? So why, why do we think that we can hijack the process? What, what makes us think that we can hack the divine design? In 1793, in France, there was an effort to increase human productivity. You can Google it. You can look it up. You don't have to trust me. I mean, you guys, this is an actual thing that happened. And so what, what they're trying to, to do here is they, they kind of de-Christianize the calendar and they modify the seven-day week into a 10-day week. Calendars were changed. Clocks were changed to try and implement this new 10-day week, and the experiment radically failed. Why? Well, because we weren't meant to live a 10-day week. We weren't meant to, to live nine and a day's working and then one day off. And so what happened? Suicide rates went up. What happened? Productivity went down. People burned out because it turns out that we weren't made for the 10-day calendar. So this experiment in 1793 actually failed. The seven-day rhythm is sacred. So here's a conversation that would never take place in your small group. And I hope that uh, you are investing in a small group. And if not, I want to encourage you to talk with our Connections Minister, Chris Richardson, to find a small group that you can be involved in. But here's a conversation that would never happen. A conversation that would never happen in a small group. Say, hey, hey man, how's it going? Well, it's going pretty good. I mean, I, I murdered somebody last week, but other than that, I'm, I'm fine. I'm good. And I probably will only murder one person this week. So, but other than that, I'm good. I'm doing, doing well. My, my guess is that's a conversation that would never happen. Hey, man, how's it going? You doing okay? Yeah, doing fine. I mean, sleeping with my neighbor's wife. But other than that, things are, things are really going good in my life. You know, it's, it's really, really, really kind. I mean, we, we kind of chuckle at those things, but those are conversations that would never happen. But here's a conversation that happens all the time. Hey, how you doing? Ugh, just really busy. Haven't had a day off in three weeks. I'm working hard. You know, got to make that money. You know, those kind of conversations happen all the time. And what do we do? We, we almost celebrate that kind of work. I mean, we glorify people who work hard. We, we, we lift that up. We idolize it. Man, that person's a hard worker. And let me, hear, let me just say this. This is not a sermon about not working hard. Because working hard is, is a good thing. What I'm saying is that most of the time, we, we, we don't even check up when we have these kind of conversations with folks. Folks that are worn out, weary, burned out. So the fourth commandment does something. Uh, let me be clear, this, this message, again, is not about working hard, but, but here's what I want to remind us of. As, as, we, as we look at these, these Ten Commandments, 
what we see is that the fourth commandment supports the first three. What are the first three commandments? Love God. But the fourth commandment, keep the Sabbath and, and, and keep it holy. Remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. What, what does that fourth commandment do? It also sets up the next six. What are the next six commandments about? Loving others. Loving God and loving others. Who said that? Where do we get that from? This is the great commandment of Jesus. So hang with me as we, as we do this flyover. In Deuteronomy, we get to the second giving of the law. Deuteros means two or second. Nomos means law. So Deuteros, nomos, the second giving of the law. It's the, kind of like the director's cut, if you will. And so Moses says, observe the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Deuteronomy 5.15. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. So did the people of Israel deliver themselves? I mean, did, did the people of Israel actually deliver themselves? Did they do this thing? I mean, as they're going, you know, get to the Red Sea and they're like, okay, you just, all right, this half of, of the church, y'all just come over here and y'all blow really hard this way on the water. And y'all over here, y'all come over here and y'all blow really hard this way on the water and, and it'll part. No, 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 no. Who, who delivered the people of Israel? You split the sea so I could walk right through it. My fears are drowned in perfect love. You remember that song? Who did it? Who split the sea? God split the sea. He delivered the people. He liberated the people. Keep the Sabbath. Remember that. Remember that. So back to our text in Hebrews, Hebrews 4.8. For if Joshua, Moses' successor, had given them rest, God would not have spoken later about another day. Verse 9, there remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their works, just as God did from his. One critical text that, and then we're going we're gonna to move back into the New Testament text. But in Numbers chapter 10, there's, there's really this critical text. So it's right before Deuteronomy, right before what we just read. Numbers 10, Israel had been wandering through the desert on the way to the promised land. Numbers 10, verse 33, so they set out from the mountain of the Lord and traveled for three days. The ark of the covenant of the Lord went before them during those three days to find them a place to rest. The cloud of the Lord was over them by day when they set out from the camp. We might be really tempted just to to plow right through this, this verse. We, we might be really tempted to just move on, but Moses did not miss the power of what was going on. Moses caught a glimpse of God as Yahweh Shabbat, Lord of the Sabbath, and paid close attention to what God did as his people wandered through the desert. The Lord went before them to find them a place to rest. Time and time again in the biblical narrative, the language regarding the Sabbath is that we enter it. We don't create it. It's not self-created. It's something that we enter into. It's the day that God has gone in advance to prepare for us. And Hebrews 4 stresses, make every effort to enter into that rest. 
The lesson that Moses learned was that he did not need to worry about when to find rest because God was more concerned with that than he would ever be. So we get to the New Testament. And the words of Scripture speak pointedly of how the church is to be different. How the church is to be set apart. So Jesus would say things in his inaugural sermon like, you're the light of the world. You're the salt of the earth. Paul would go on to say things in Romans 12, like don't conform to the the pattern of this world. In his book, Subversive Sabbath, A.J. Swoboda says it this way, we've come to know Jesus only as the Lord of the harvest, forgetting that he is the Lord of the Sabbath as well. Sabbath forgetfulness is driven so often in the name of doing stuff for God rather than being with God. The result of our Sabbath amnesia is that we have become perhaps the most emotionally exhausted, psychologically overworked, spiritually malnourished people in history. So back to Hebrews. In Hebrews 4, we're faced with this sequence of three different rests. What do we see? God's own rest on the seventh day of creation. Number two, we see the rest which Joshua gave the people when he brought them into the promised land. And then thirdly, we see the future rest which Psalm 95 promised. Interestingly enough, the name Joshua in Greek and in Hebrew is the same word for Jesus, Yeshua. And Joshua gave the people their first rest but it's Jesus of Nazareth who will give the people their final rest. Verse 11, let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will perish by following their example of disobedience. For the word of God is alive and active. We love to quote this verse, don't we? But do we quote it in the context? For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. How many of you know that the sharper the blade is, the less you feel when you cut yourself. I've been in the kitchen. Yes, I go in the kitchen every now and then. I've been in the kitchen with a very sharp knife. I've cut myself and I, I don't even know it until you look down and what? Oh, my finger's laying on the ground. <laughs> Why? Because the sharper that a blade is, the less that you feel it when it penetrates. And so what, what, what's the Hebrew writer saying? This image that the Hebrew writer is using to describe the effect of God's word in someone's life is sharp enough to go straight in almost without you even realizing it. This is the second warning in the letter. Remember I told you a few weeks ago, there's, there's five warnings that the Hebrew writer, the Hebrew preacher, the Hebrew author is going to give. The first was, the warning not to drift. 
I love it. One of our members, Bernie Coker, came up to me today and said her late husband, Jack, preached about Hebrews, and then people would come up, that the, the phrase that became most known was, don't drift, don't drift, don't drift. I love that. It's a, it's a beautiful warning for us. The second warning, though, we get to today. The second warning is this about this danger of doubting. And it's not like this, yeah, we're, we're going to have doubts. Yes, that, that's going to happen in our lives. God can handle our questions. God can handle our doubts. But when this becomes a way of life, Jesus announces the coming of the kingdom. It's birth through his work. He fulfills the Old Testament prophecies, as Jackson read about just a few moments ago in Luke 24. They all come true in Jesus which is what this letter is is mainly about, that Jesus is greater than, Jesus is superior to, Jesus is better than. But here's the warning, is that you and I cannot escape that reality. You and I are not able to escape that reality, that until we rest in Him, we will not rest. So let this warning become a great gift. Or to say it another way, you'll see this on the, on the screen. Let, let the piercing warning become a penetrating encouragement. That if you have a choice uh, to let the doctor examine you right away or wait until it's too late, which would you choose? Most of us would choose to let the doctor go ahead and examine us. And when you open yourself day by day, week by week to the Word of God, you allow the finished work of Jesus to soak down into your, your imagination and change your heart. You not only become saved from something, but you also became saved to something. And, and this is life here on earth. Unlike my experience with my kitchen knife, the penetration of God's Word is no accident. It's a double-edged sword that cleanses and it heals. So here's the question for today. Is this passage about resting from our work or about resting in Jesus? To which I would respond, yes. Mark 3 tells a story of Jesus healing a man on the Sabbath. You may be familiar with this story. You may not. But as soon as Jesus heals this man on the Sabbath... The religious leaders begin plotting on how they are going to kill him. Now listen to the irony. They are willing to break the seventh commandment because someone else is breaking the fourth. Do you, do you hear the irony that's going on in this story? The way that Jesus embodied the Sabbath does not fit neatly into the rigid religious systems of his time. And this is what religious rigidity does. It trades the mercy of God for the justice of humankind. And so the way Jesus embodied the Sabbath doesn't fit neatly, nor would the Sabbath fit neatly into the systems of today. Do I believe that it's important to take a day each week to rest? Yes. For many of you, that may be today. It may be Sundays. The Lord's Day, as we've come to call it. 
for our family, uh, Sunday is not typically a day of rest. I can tell you whoever wrote that song, Easy Like Sunday Morning, wasn't a preacher. So we, we set aside other times, but the, the Apostle Paul recognized that one person considers one day more sacred than the other. Others consider every day alike. What is significant is that we are settled in our own consciousnesses and hearts. Paul continues, each of them should be fully convinced in their own mind. Whoever regards one day as special does so to the Lord, Romans 14. Paul writes in Colossians, therefore don't let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink or with regard to religious festival or new moon celebration or a Sabbath day. So if you're going to Sabbath on Saturday, do it to the Lord. If you're going to Sabbath on Sunday, to the Lord. Wednesday, Monday, to the Lord. I want to give us a few things just to take away as we, as we close up. I encourage you to jot these down. There's some questions for your connect groups about this specific text today that I would encourage you to, to talk about in community. The first one is this, is that the Sabbath is a foretaste of what is to come. As A.J. Swoboda says, Sabbath is that tantalizing experience that urges us to long for the new heaven and the new earth. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This foretaste of what's to come. The second one is that the enemy will always stand against the healing works of the Lord of the Sabbath. So this is why prayer must be an intentional part of any kind of Sabbath keeping. Uh, we typically try to Sabbath, you know, between Friday afternoon and Saturday afternoon in our home. We're not perfect at this, but we, we try. And so yesterday morning, uh, there was a, a drink that was spilt on the rug in our living room. And my initial reaction was like that of the Pharisees. Like who would dare spill a drink on the rug in my house during the Sabbath. I'm sure I'm the only one who's ever thought something like that. I'm the only parent who's ever thought something like that. But here's what the Holy Spirit has been convicting me of lately, is for me to ask the question before I respond, what do I believe? Because typically what do we do? An event happens and we experience an emotion and we behave according to the emotion and often in our anger or disgust or offendedness, we behave poorly. But what if we stopped and asked, what do I believe in this moment? I believe this was an accident. I believe that I'm the goofball who allowed the drink in the living room in the first place. And I believe in this moment, I have a chance to be the father heart of God to my children. And so instead of event, emotion, then behave, it's event, what do I believe? And how will that inform my emotional response? And then I behave as one walking in step with the spirit. The enemy will always stand against the healing works of the Lord of the Sabbath. Number three is that Jesus is the source of our Sabbath rest. So when we center on who our Sabbath rest is rather than when we Sabbath, we might have a chance to getting closer to the heart of this text. Therefore, since the promise, the promise of entering his rest still stands, let's be careful 
that no one is falling short. Let's pray together. Father, your son would say, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you'll find rest for your souls. Father, I pray for rest. I pray for rest for the student who is struggling to finish up this semester. I pray for rest for the loved one that we're so concerned about. I pray for rest from the illness that occupies so much of our life. I pray for rest for the weary soul who has lost a loved one. Pray for rest for the parent or the single parent that's trying just to get by. Pray pray for rest for the food insecure, for the financially stressed out right now, for those who are anxious, those who are struggling with depression. God, we pray for your rest. God, we ask that you'll help our souls to, to rest in your embrace. Holy Spirit, come and lead us. It's in Jesus we pray. Amen.